Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Bolton here. Welcome back to another episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. So good to have you here with us today. Hope you're having a great day and uh, honored and excited that you're joining us. Now, it's no secret that over the uh, past year and a half or so, many of us have had to make the pivot uh, toward virtual speaking. And for a number of reasons, I'm here to tell you that virtual is here to stay. And so creating your studio is now going to be a key part of building your virtual speaking business. And today we're going to be talking with video production guru, Mr. Gregory Dennis, uh, all about the ins and outs of setting up your virtual speaking studio. We're going to be talking about equipment, what you need to know about Zoom, why microphone quality matters, and even what to do about your backdrop. He's also going to be talking about soundproofing, lighting, and how all of this can actually help you find your ideal audience. Now, Gregory brings so much expertise to the table, and I know that wherever you're at in your virtual speaking journey, you're going to get a ton out of this episode. So uh, let's jump right into it. Here's my conversation on creating your virtual studio with Gregory Dennis. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Good to have you here with us today. Today, we are joined by Mr. Gregory Dennis, who is a video production wizard and is going to teach us how to set up our own virtual speaking studio. So, Gregory, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, happy to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. Now, actually, you have been working uh, with one of our coaches, Eric Ream, who's been on the podcast many times, uh, and then small groups of our students. We're, we've been doing some cohorts, basically kind of teaching through and talking through uh, virtual speaking. And so you have been brought in as the outside expert teaching uh, all the ins and outs of setting up your virtual studio. So for context sake, why don't you give us a, a little snapshot of like, what is your business? What what do you do with virtual uh, or with video production? And then uh, kind of what you've been doing with our students. Yeah, you know, like being able to teach people video production is kind of like a, a bit of a dream for me. It, it's a good blend of some of my background and my education and my experience. I've been doing video production for a long time, probably 12, 13 years, and uh, mostly centered on the corporate side of things. So anything to do with communications, marketing, internal videos, promotions, uh, web video, that kind of stuff. Uh, but the other side of me has always been somebody who loves to teach. And so I absolutely love it when I get a room full of people or in nowadays a, a virtual room of people that are eager to learn how to improve their, their skill set in video production. Everybody has to be producing video content now. Um, and so it's, it's really fun. I absolutely love it. You know, you can tell people are hungry to like learn. They want to know all the basics and, um, a lot of what I teach is the same exact principles that I use when I go out on set for my professional shoots. Gotcha. Now, are you, so you've been working with, with some of our speakers, are you working with, you also mentioned you work with various corporations. So what type of, of video production are you, are you typically doing with clients that you're working with? 
Yeah, a lot of it is web-based content. Um, I would say probably 95% of what I do is web-based content. So uh, we call them feature videos for people's, uh, for companies' websites that just kind of gives them a, a brand video, a vision video mm-hmm. that gives people a snapshot of, of who they are, uh, what they represent, what their values are. Um, those are really important because nowadays companies are companies and people who are their own company are looking for clients who match their vision and match their values. And so a video is a great way to introduce you and your product or your service to find those people uh, so that you're not hitting, like you're not shotgun shooting out there and just saying, Hey, here's what I do. You know, you're really fine tuning that message to the people that you want to work with. And so video is a great way to do that. That would be probably my primary um, types of videos that we produce, but we also do social media videos. We do commercials. We produce uh, internal videos for HR training videos. Uh, You name it, you know, video is a great tool pretty much for anything uh, in your business. So Interesting. All right. So uh, we're going to be talking about today in the context of for speakers who are setting up a, a virtual studio, typically that's going to be in their house. Uh, you have you, you work with a, um, uh, a lot of different corporations or you have, a, I assume, some fancy video production set up in studio. For a lot of us, we're working from either a home office or a corner in the basement or uh, the kitchen or whatever. And so we're trying to present the best possible video in a professional environment, um, given the constraints that we may have either, you know, within the, where we are or financially. So let's start by just kind of like zooming out. Can you give us just a couple of like big picture thoughts, like some things that we need to be thinking about when we're thinking about, uh, maybe even where our, our, our virtual studio would be some, uh, things that we need to be aware of. We're going to dig into like nuts and bolts of, of cameras and lighting and audio and all that sort of thing, but just any like big picture things as we're kind of thinking about like, all right, step zero of setting up my, my virtual home studio as a speaker. What are some things I need to be aware of or thinking about? Yeah, I would say, uh, aside from the bait, like the basic talking about equipment, let's put that aside for a minute and just say, I would say the number one thing that you have to think about is how quickly can you turn the equipment on and start filming? I've worked with a lot of small business owners over the years who couldn't afford necessarily to hire me to come and produce their video content. So they're like, Hey, I've got some basic gear. I got a small budget. What can I do to get set up? And I would say out of all the ones that I do consulting for probably only 10% actually produce video content. They've spent money. They, they set time aside to get a space set up. And yet there's still this big barrier to turning the camera on, setting up some time to actually use the equipment and film yourself. And so making it as turnkey as possible is probably the, the biggest piece of advice that I, can, uh, that I can tell anybody who's trying to produce better quality video uh, content from their home office. Is there any way to like, what's the best way to go about doing that? Like I know on one side of the spectrum you have, like I have a a buddy of mine and I've seen this on on YouTube videos where they have it all basically connected to uh, like an Alexa. And it's just, he says, what's he said? Like Alexa, let's do this or something, you know? And then like the lighting changes, the camera change, like everything kicks on. And it's just, it's a cool little, you know, bell and whistle there. Is is it like on one extreme, is that the best way to do it? Or how do we best connect things to make sure that, that we can do things quickly? Cause we're talking about like, 
like, you know, whenever you're presenting for a speaking engagement, but, but a good video home video setup can be used when you are doing, you know, a, an interview like this, or you're doing a webinar or uh, you're doing a re recording a, a YouTube video. There's a lot of different contexts that can be used beyond just uh, you giving a, a virtual presentation. So what does that look like to make it uh, a, a good setup that is easy and quick to use? I think, uh, yeah, there's a few criteria there that you want, you'd want to think about. Number one would be figure out what your primary use for the equipment is. If the primary use is live presentations like Zoom, uh, whatever that might look like to a live audience, then make that your priority and then tailor your setup and your gear around that. Uh, if your primary purpose is to do pre-recorded content that you want to release at a later date, then make that your primary uh, focus. And yeah, you can use all that gear for all of the video content you produce, but you really have to fine tune it and say, okay, what is my number one use that I'm going to do? And then what that decision does is then it tailors on what equipment that you're going to need and also where you're going to set that up uh, and making sure that you've got a space where you don't have to tear that stuff down. Uh, that, you know, whether it's powered by Alexa or not, uh, it doesn't matter. You just, you know, a power bar does the same thing. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's not as fancy, but you just flip the switch on and your, your lights turn on. You didn't have to adjust them. You're in the same spot. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people just don't have that flexibility of leaving the, the light stands up, leaving the camera up. And that's where we kind of run into this roadblock where it's like, ah, uh, you know, I just don't have time to set this up. I'm just going to use my laptop webcam again. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's just the, the nature of the beast. We're all busy doing our, doing our trade, doing our craft. So you have to budget some time in there. How do you budget the least amount of time to actually setting the gear up? Like you mentioned, Grant, it's like um, I do this every day so I could do it in my sleep. Mm -hmm. I can put lights up in my sleep, turn the camera on, know the settings. But everybody else, like I, that's just way too daunting, mm -hmm. you know, and, and a lot of people are kind of intimidated by the whole technical side of it. So you know, if you can program things that you just flip the on switch and you know it's going to work, then there's ways to do that. And, and that that would be my biggest recommendation. Well, I want to piggyback on something you said that you're exactly right, that tech is intimidating for a lot of people. And I consider myself a fairly tech savvy person. But when you start trying to get all the toys to work together in terms of, of lighting and the audio and the video and getting it just right. And like, you know, why is that shadow over there? What do I do about this? And like, it starts to become a little bit daunting and overwhelming. So first of all, before we dive into the weeds on, on some of the, the, the different categories there of a, a video studio, can you just kind of, I don't know, maybe calm our nerves, talk us off the ledge for those who are intimidated by, you know, all things tech? Ah, great question. Ah, I would say take it in phases. Um, the way that I built my workshop that I did with the cohorts through Speaker Lab was to say, you know, and Eric had this recommendation too, because he's not tech savvy. He's, a, he's like, I'm somebody else do this for me, right? <laughs> and a lot of people are like that. So he, he, he didn't want to make this an overwhelming one and a half hour session where we just kind of threw a ton of stuff at all these uh, great professional speakers and saying, Hey, have fun. See you later. Yeah. It was like, Hey, if, if you want to get started in here, what would be priority number one? And then build that into your workflow, build that into your setup. Once you're comfortable with that, well, then maybe you can graduate to phase two and say, okay, now I'm going to add this or I'm going to add that. And I think, you know, all of us are way more comfortable 
you know, with, with adding one new piece of technology instead of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's probably how I would recommend going about it for people who are like, you know what, this is crazy. I'm not, I, I have no idea what to do at this point is just break it down and say, Hey, here's the, here's the one thing that you can do. Are you comfortable with that? Once you get comfortable, move on to the next step. Well, I think that's a great point. That's uh, encouraging for, for speakers again at, at any level uh, is that there are a lot of speakers I've seen their, their uh, virtual studios. And sometimes it just has all kinds of bells and whistles and they always are quick to point out like this is version seven, you know? So if you go back to version one, it was a very, very simple setup. And then we figured out kind of, okay, we've got the hang of this and this works and that doesn't work. So, okay, now version two is we're going to swap this. We're going to add this. We're going to add a little bit more lighting. Okay. Version three is, you know, we're upgrading our mic and it's just like it's an iterative process ver- versus feeling like I have to have it nailed from from day one and you you really don't like you you can kind of figure out what works what makes sense for you what makes sense for your setup and then kind of uh, evolve from there that's a that's actually so true like even you know to put it into context with me in in a professional world I just got done doing uh, seven days of filming for a project in five different locations and each of those locations had to have a very similar setup. And uh, you know what? We The first day that we shot, we thought it looked great. We were happy with it. By the time we were done, I wanted to go back to the first location and reshoot it. Because, you know, and I've been doing this for 12 years, right? Yeah. Like every time I turn cameras on and lights and microphones, I'm learning. Yeah. And so, you know, even on a professional level, I walk away from every shoot going, oh, that worked really well. I think I'm going to try to that next time. Yeah. And the same is going to be for your own studio. Like you, you will look back on your stuff a year ago and hopefully you're going to look at it and say, wow, my stuff is way better now than it was a year ago. Right. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That just means you're learning and you're, you're tackling the problems, you're troubleshooting and you're figuring stuff out as you go. That, that's everybody. Now, uh, in addition to tech being in- intimidating for some people, it can also be very, very expensive. Uh, and so when you start looking at all of the different, you know, cameras and lights and microphones and switchers and, you know, just the computer to power it all and and cords and on and on it goes, like it starts to become, it starts to add up. And I, my guess would be that that you can go to, again, either end of the extreme. You have a, a professional like yourself who's probably spent um, thousands and thousands and thousands on gear and equipment and it shows. And at the same time, there's a lot of speakers who are going like, that sounds awesome. I, I can't afford that or justify that. And so uh, what would you say to speakers who are about finding the right balance between quality and, and cost and making sure that we're, 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 we're leveling up from where we are and just a, a basic webcam, but at the same time, we're not, you know, we're not breaking the bank. Yeah. The number one recommendation that I would say is don't skimp out on your, your, uh, your audio. So you know, in my experience, looking at all sorts of gear from low end to high, the one that sacrifices the most when you start budgeting in cheap products is audio. Hmm. Um, so, you know, spend the, your first bit of budget on getting a good microphone that's going to serve your purpose uh, and look good on video. Uh, I don't know if you want to get into the specifics of that yet, but that that's where I would put my money. I would say, you know, it's really easy to get good lighting without having to spend a ton of money right now. Uh, and cameras, to be honest with you, uh, they, they, they can be expensive. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Um, but what I tell people in every workshop that I do is that your audience is going to be far less uh, forgiving of 
of uh, bad audio than they are of video. So if your video looks great, you've spent thousands of dollars on a really nice SLR camera and it's shooting video and it looks amazing, but your audio is garbage, you lost your audience. Mm. Where the, isn't, it isn't the true the other way around. You can have really mediocre looking video, even a webcam on a computer. And if your audio is nice, crisp, clean, and present, then your audio audience will stay engaged with what your content is way longer. That makes a ton of sense. Well, let's, let's start going through these uh, kind of categorically. So let's start with uh, audio. It sounds like that. So it sounds like between audio, video, lighting, that you would put audio at the top of, you, you, if you're going to get one thing right, you got to get that right. Would that be fair? Yeah. And I think, Grant, you can probably testify to that too, doing podcasts like I see you. I know the audience can't see us right now, but I'm using a wireless lapel mic that's really close mm-hmm. to my mouth. Grant, you're using a, uh, a mic that's, you know, on a stand really mm-hmm. close to your mouth as well. That is the key. Uh, and so in video, it's my preference to not really make my microphone very noticeable in my right. shot. So I'm wearing a very small lapel mic that's not, you know, obtrusive. It's not in my face. Podcasting's different. People aren't going to see that. So, you, you know, there's advantages to the kind of microphone that, that you're using for sure. Um, but getting that microphone close to you is the biggest challenge. If you're using a camera that's on your, sorry, a microphone that's on your camera or on your laptop, it's already going to be two feet or three feet away from you. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to pick up lots of sound in the room. It's making you sound distant and your audience will start to disengage. Whether they even know they are disengaging or not, they're going to disengage. Right, right. So you mentioned that the, the, that sometimes you may do a, a lapel that's on you. You may do a more of like a, a shotgun mic or, uh, and again, some of this depends, like you said, on the use case of what you're going to be doing. So like in this case, you know, people can't visually see us. So I'm okay with the, you know, the microphone is right now in the quote unquote shot. Um, whereas like with yours, it's a more of a lapel. So is it, is it sounds like we may have potentially even different mics for different situations or scenarios, depending on what it is that you're wanting to do. But again, to zoom out, like making sure that people are really, really clear on how are you using this? What is it going to be used for? And how important is it that the mic is or isn't in the, in the shot? Exactly. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are comfortable seeing lapel mics on presenters. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, one thing that I've done in my consulting is I say, you know, if you're sitting in a room with somebody, uh, would they see a microphone stuck in your face? Because that's, that's what we're doing here with these virtual presentations. You know, your audience is seeing you as if you're right across the table from them. And if there's a microphone in your shot in your face, well, that's not naturally how they would see you. If you're a public presenter, a speaker, then I think you have a little bit of an advantage there because you're, people are used to seeing public speakers and presenters with microphones wrapped around the side of their face or a lapel right. mic on their body. And that is probably the, the most affordable, most versatile mic that people can get who are just getting into upgrading their video game. Cool. Well, and we, uh, you actually were, you put together a, a, a very significant uh, gear list of all your recommended tools and resources. So we're going to be linking up to that. People can go to thespeakerlab.com slash studio, thespeakerlab.com slash studio, if you want to check that out. But in the meantime, can you give us like, give us a couple of maybe recommended microphones or what's the recommended microphone uh, that you would suggest for speakers? Well, without dating the podcast too much, I'll try because <laughs> gear is changing every six months. Um, the newest stuff that's come out is pretty phenomenal and it's, it's being, it's becoming more user-friendly, which is great for Mm -hmm. this, this audience right here. 
you know, this is the most exciting time to be getting into technology around video. The gear is becoming so simple to use. It's literally put the microphone on, turn the power on, and, and you don't have to do anything. Right. Um, and this is tough to do on an audio podcast, but, you know, I'll, I'll mention the brand that, I'm, that I would recommend that I am recommending to anybody who's just getting into this. It's called the Rode Wireless Go 2. And it is a wireless microphone that's uh, a lapel that you can attach to your clothing. And it's wirelessly uh, transmitted to whatever device you're filming with, which is great because there's no wires, there's no tethers. You can move around in the space without worrying about that microphone somehow getting distant from your mouth. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for the affordability and the re reliability, this is the number one option for sure. Cool. And what's ballpark? What's that going to cost? Uh, US dollars, because I'm up in Canada. So I always have to do the conversion <laughs> in my brain. Uh, I think it's around three or 400 bucks. Okay. And that, uh, that gets you something that's going to last you a very long time with a lot of versatility. Cool. Sounds good. One thing that we, that would be worth maybe touching on is also being aware of, um, kind of the, uh, maybe the soundproofing for the room that you're in. Can you talk a little bit about that and kind of how that might affect, even if you have a great mic, but it's super echoey or there's, um, sounds kind of bouncing around the room. Uh, it may really dramatically affect how the sound is coming across. Anything that we should be aware of or thinking about there? Yeah, for sure. Even if you can't get a microphone, right away and you're just using the mic off of your camera or your computer, then make sure that you're filming in a room with a lot of soft material. If you're filming in a room that has hard floors, hard ceilings, hard walls, and hard furniture, you're definitely going to have a lot of echo that that microphone is going to pick up on, which is really, really distracting for people. Uh, if you, any, any good professional videos that you watch, you won't hear that. And there's a good reason for it because people get distracted way too easy with that. So, you know, put some blankets in the room, throw some cushions, put some fabric art on the wall. There's a lot of creative things that you can do that aren't going to look horrible. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're permanently putting in stuff into that space, think about that. Or if you have the freedom to find a different space to do your filming in, then find a place that's got carpet. I'm right now filming in our basement, which looks gross and ugly. But I, I have to do a lot of set decorating here for video to make this look good. But for, just for audio, it's, it's amazing. I got a drop ceiling, which is acoustic panels in there. Automatically yeah. drop ceilings are acoustic panels. Uh, I got carpet on the floor and I got soft fabrics and couches and pillows all over the place. So there's no echo down here at all. Yeah. So again, it's important just to be aware of those things and how they're going to affect the overall quality of the, of the finished product. Well, one, yeah, one thing I'll also mention too, is people don't actually take a minute to just listen to the room, like just stop talking for five seconds and listen to the sound that's coming into that room. If there's a computer, a big PC running with big fans blowing, that's going to detract from your audio quality right away. If there's an HVAC system blowing in your office, is there a way to control that uh, just for the period that you're filming in? There's a lot of things like traffic noise, things like that, that, you know, you can listen, some of that you can control. So figure out what you control and shut it off. Refrigerators also make a lot of noise. So the, something else that you can, you can try to avoid. Hey friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I, I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start. 
let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. Our personalized coaching program features done-for-you websites, done-for-you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Is there a good way to, like you mentioned, like, just stopping and listening for what's going on in the room and kind of what's going on in the surroundings. But at the same time, when we're trying to get a sense of like, is this too echoey or like sometimes maybe it's in our head more than what is coming across. Is it best to either hop on zoom with someone and just like test a bunch of things and just say, Hey, how does the sound talk to me? Give me some feedback. Or is it best to just record ourselves doing it and then just listen back or like, what's the best way to kind of figure out? Cause it's kind of, you know, you, you don't necessarily realize, or you can't quite tell whenever it comes to something, especially like audio, if it's coming across correct or not. Yeah, good point. I'd say if you're using an, a built-in microphone on your computer or your camera, it's going to hear pretty much what your ears are hearing. So if you clap in a room and you can hear that clap ricocheting off of objects, like make a sharp sound so you can actually hear uh, it reverberating, you know that your microphone is going to pick that up. If you're wearing a dedicated microphone, that's where there's a little bit more tolerance to mm -hmm. that. Um, I'll often walk into situations where I can't get rid of the echo, but because I have a microphone really close to my subject, it's not near as problematic. So yeah. there is a lot more grace in a space if you can get that microphone close to your voice. Well, and this also goes back to one thing you mentioned at the beginning that once you, once you kind of know your area, you know how it's set up and you just like, I just know that this works. It's not like you're having to reset every single time. Okay. Now let me test now. Let me test now. Let me test. No, no. Like you just, you know, that this works and you know, like, okay, I know that, you know, the fridge next door or the traffic, I just have to be aware of, but here's some things I've done to damper it. But like, you just know that this setup works versus trying to start from scratch every single time. Uh, okay. Let's shift gears for a second. So audio is one, um, video or lighting, where do you want to go next? What's, what's most important that we need to be thinking about? Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I often tell people lighting is my next one. I leave cameras out of my main three fundamentals, mainly because there's such a wide variety of cameras out there and they're constantly changing. Uh, if so, I guess when I walk into trying to do some consulting and teaching, I say, if all you had was your webcam on your computer, what would you do to improve it? Because all the same fundamentals apply to that webcam as they do my $10,000 camera rig. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the, and the three fundamentals are audio, lighting, and backdrop. And so those are the three things that I, I, I try to train people on to improve the image of their, of the quality of their video. So yeah, lighting is definitely the second one. And it's really not that hard to do. Well, I'll rephrase that. It's not it's, it's affordable, but it is uh, complex. It can be complex to get lighting that looks good. Mm. And so I'm not sure how to do that on an audio podcast, <laughs> but um, yeah, that, that's a tricky one. Well, one of the, like one of the best lighting sources is the sun. So one of the things that we all have to be aware of is windows. I'm, I know like in, in my setting, I've got, uh, I have huge front windows um, next to me to my left. I know you've got some windows to your left there as well. So how do we kind of think about uh, like the natural lighting, especially and like how that fits in? 
Yeah. And, and, and I do cover that as, you know, fundamental number one is what light source do you have in the room? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be coming from the sun or it's going to be coming from, uh, you know, artificial lighting that you've put in the house. How do you work with those two things? Uh, daylight is amazing. It is the, the most flattering, beautiful light to work with, but it's uncontrollable. You can't control when it happens or how bright it is. And depending on which way your windows face can be very problematic. If you have sun shining directly into that window, then you have to think about what time of day you're going to do your filming. And if you don't have the flexibility to pick that time of day, then you're going to have variables that are going to be changing. And like I said before, in a turnkey type studio, that's just, that's just a, yeah, it's a big (laughs) can of worms, really, if you think about it, because you might walk in one day in the morning and you got sun blasting directly through that window. Well, now your whole lighting setup doesn't work anymore. Right. Versus if that sun is in the afternoon, it's away from that window on the other side of the house at the office. Now it looks really good. So a couple of really practical things uh, without getting, like you said, too much in the weeds here is, is uh, avoid direct sunlight. You want that light to be diffused. You want it to be bouncing and reflecting. So if you have a nice window, that's, that's just, filling the room with some ambient daylight that is the the best kind of light to work with uh if it's harsh and direct then you're just gonna have a really hard time getting the cameras to to compensate for that yeah and i know that you even in my setting i know people can't see us right now but because like this time of day get a lot of direct natural light uh, and even with the the blinds closed right now uh it still comes through pretty strong and so i've got blackout curtains where if i am recording and, and filming something and it is too bright close those and, and you kind of go to, to plan B uh, if it is too, too direct. So, uh, so if we're using some type of external source, should we be using like our, our overhead lights, just some like can lights that are already there within the house or the, the home or the office, wherever it may be, should we be using more like uh, those big box lights or ring lights? What, what should we be using then? Yeah. If you, if you're bringing in artificial light, whether you want to call that studio lighting or just built-in lighting in your house, I, I typically walk into a space and I shut off all the, the ceiling lights they're not flattering. They're in the wrong spot. They're going to create hot spots. You can't control the color of those lights very mm-hmm. easily. Um, now, if it's your house or your office, you can go ahead and swap those bulbs out. Make sure that all the bulbs in those lights are emitting the same color. You know, we, we typically, there's a whole spectrum of different colors, but the two main ones that people typically have are white light, which is more reflective of like daylight. And you have more of a tungsten light, which represents more of the traditional incandescent bulbs that have that more amber look to it. Mm-hmm. If you've got a mixture of that in your room, then your skin tones are going to be very unflattering. So get all of your lighting sources to be the same color. If you have the ability to shut off the ceiling lights and use studio lights, then you have complete control over where that light is positioned, how bright it is, whether it's, you know, the right angle, all of those things come into play. I would say, you know, if you have uh, artificial lights in your space, they're great for backdrops. You know, if you've got a table lamp, put it in the backdrop that adds a really nice look to your backdrop. So oftentimes I'll use, you know, any sort of floor lamps or table lamps, those kinds of things, or even, you know, spotlights, uh, feature lighting that, that people have in their homes. Those can be angled sometimes to kind of feature a bookshelf behind you, that kind of thing. Talking about studio lights, yeah, you want a light first and foremost that's diffused. So get one that has what we call a soft box. 
Uh, and what that does is it takes whatever light source that you have inside the box and it diffuses it, which makes really nice, soft, even shadows. You don't have to worry about really harsh shadows on your skin or in your background. Gotcha. So that would be number one. No matter what light you get, just make sure it's diffused. Make sure it comes with a soft box. Or if it doesn't come with a soft, soft box, there's lots of different ways to modify a light to make it soft. And again, we, you've got that, uh, that gear list that you, you put together that uh, we'll, again, encourage people to check out over at thespeakerlab.com slash studio. Um, okay, let's shift gears. Let's talk for a second here about cameras as well uh, and video. And like you mentioned, that's one of the things that may be the most expensive of these different categories, and it may be the one that's changing the most regularly. So what do we need to be thinking about there? Again, how do we get something that's quality without breaking the bank? Yeah, a couple of stipulations go back to what is the, what is the main primary use? Uh, you know, when I was working with Eric, his main primary use was to get that camera hooked up to his live presentations in his studio. So number one, we had to figure out, is that camera, can it be powered without a battery? Hmm. Uh, that's priority number one. You don't want cameras dying on you halfway through a session. So it has to be plugged in 100% of the time. Not all cameras have that ability. A lot of, uh, a lot of cameras out there, you have to run it off a battery, in which case you have to modify it somehow. So that was priority number one. Number two was autofocus. Does it focus on its own so that you don't have to worry about whether you're blurry or mm-hmm. out of focus, anything like that? That's, that's a huge priority for cameras. Uh, and the third one was, um, well, gee, I don't even know how to make it into three. <laughs> I'm speaking before I think here because uh, there's a lot of things to think about for cameras. For Eric, I'll say, you know, the camera that we recommended was the, the Canon PowerShot G7X Mark III. That is a mouthful. Like, I don't know, these camera companies, they don't seem to know how to come up with good names. Like, They're just throwing letters I, and numbers together. How about, how about iPhone 13? Yeah, that makes sense. It's the one that came after number 12. <laughs> no, no, it's the, it's the third version of the G7X. Um, and so they just keep making tweaks and modifications to that particular camera, which is why it's the Mark III. Um, but that one's good. It's a great camera. It shoots amazing quality, has decent autofocus. You can plug your microphones directly into it, which is another thing not all cameras can do. You can power it through USB-C. Um, that is the camera that I'm recommending right now. If you listen to this podcast anywhere six months past the date of release, I'm not going to guarantee you that that is the camera of choice anymore. But for the last year, that's been the go-to if you, if you talk about any, anybody who's doing DIY video. Now, and then also, do we need any type of lens that goes on that? How far away should we be from the camera? Again, a lot of that depends on the, the room and the setting, but any advice there? Yeah, sure. This lens, this camera has a built-in lens, which is what makes it unique. A lot of uh, cameras that are kind of entry level are mirrorless cameras with detachable lenses because they're serving two purposes. This camera, take, the, the Canon Power, PowerShot takes photos and video, but they specifically designed this one as a video content creator's dream, really. Uh, and so it has a, a lens that's built into it. So there's no extra cost there. The lens works seamlessly and it's zoom. So you can choose wide, medium, or, or a, a zoom focal length, telephoto uh, fo- focal length, sorry. And is there any type of uh, adapters or accessories that we need to be able to, A, potentially connect some of these pieces together, but especially like if we're doing this from a, uh, I'm giving a live presentation uh, over Zoom or whatever platform, how am I connecting all this stuff back through the computer? Most of the camera providers, because of the pandemic, it's actually been fun to watch. 
a lot of them were really hesitant to turn their cameras into webcam devices. Mm -hmm. But since the pandemic, almost every major camera camera manufacturer has come out with software that interfaces uh, on your your computer to allow a, a software like Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever you're using to recognize the camera as a webcam. Not a lot of cameras you could do that with. I mean, even GoPros you can do that with now, which is kind of crazy. Hmm. Um, so that's number one is like, uh, make sure that you can hook it up directly to your computer and that your computer can see it as a live video camera versus using your built-in webcam. Um, there was another thought there too. Second thought on that. Mm, nope, it just escaped me. I'll stall Sorry. for you. Uh, so one thing, another thing as it relates to video is, especially whenever it comes to giving a, a live presentation is uh, you see some speakers now who are using multiple cameras. And so maybe different angles, maybe you know one is kind of a, a, a direct to camera, another one maybe a, a, a further back wider shot. One maybe over here, I've got an easel that I'm gonna write on or draw on or something like that. Maybe I've got an actual screen that I'm kind of referencing that's going along with my slides or my PowerPoint or keynote presentation. Uh, if we have multiple cameras, how should we be thinking about maybe different angles that we should be using? And then what, how do we switch between uh, those cameras? And again, I know we're, it's a little bit difficult just to describe an audio format here, um, but kind of paint us a picture there of what that could be like. No, that's, that, it's funny because that's exactly my second point. <laughs> so I, sensed already, that. I knew where you were going. You must, have, you must have sensed that. That was definitely my second point was if you're not hooking the camera directly up to your computer, then what do you do? Uh, well, any camera can be hooked into a video switcher device. And so uh, Blackmagic Design is a, is a good company in the video world uh, that makes a whole gamut of different products. But where they got their, uh, one of their starts was in live broadcast. And so, you know, doing a, having a switcher used to be something that was set aside for the cube vans to pull up outside your house, mm -hmm. you know, and they'd pump in all the feeds and they'd have a guy, you know, two or three guys in there like, directing and calling shots and you know it was a big production well now i i wish i could show people this little thing called the a10 mini uh -huh. is literally like you can hold it in one hand it's a couple buttons it's beautiful yeah yeah and you can you can plug in four different camera devices just with hdmi so anything that has an hdmi out on it can be used as a video camera and then that device hooks up to your computer as the webcam so the great thing about that is your computer, you don't, you don't have to do anything. You just turn Zoom on, you select A10 Mini as your source, and boom, now you control everything with those four inputs. People are using it as, uh, you know, professional gamers are using it because they'll plug their Xbox into that. And now they can switch from them on the camera to their Xbox feed. Or other people are like, hey, I've got a second laptop. I'm going to, like Eric does, he'll run his, another laptop that's running his presentation. He'll run that as a video feed. So he can seamlessly choose whenever he wants to switch from his camera that's focusing on himself to his uh, PowerPoint presentation. I've got another client that I'm working with who loves to draw and illustrate. And so she has a camera that's a top-down camera mm. focused on her desk. And so she can just cl click the button and boom, now it's showing her hand, you know, illustrating or drawing out notes for her, for her viewers. It, it's, wow. it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's so much more interactive. 
That's awesome. Uh, and again, all that's going to be linked up there over at the speakerlab.com slash studio. So make sure I would encourage people to, to check that out. Two more quick questions before we get you out of here. One is uh, background. You mentioned that background backdrop. What are things we need to be aware of? Um, de- again, depending on the room and kind of what's what's going on back there. How do you keep it clean and sharp without being too busy, but have something interesting back there that's not distracting? Uh, give us wisdom there. Sure. Backdrop is a tough one because everybody's space is so unique. Um, when I'm put into a situation where I have to create a minimalistic looking backdrop and I don't have control over the furniture, the wall color, the, the fixed appliances, whatever's in that space, if I don't have control over it, I bring my photo paper, which is uh, photographers use this a lot more than uh, video production, but it works really great in a, in a pinch where you can buy these rolls of photo paper for 50 bucks. And you put it up on a stand, which is going to cost you another 30 bucks. And you pull that paper down behind you. And now you're on a perfectly seamless backdrop. And you can light that paper to create some gradients and some nice looks, even splashes of color on there. Uh, The great thing about it, too, is it comes in every color you can possibly imagine. Mm. So if you have a brand color that you want to feature for your brand, you can probably find it in us. They call it seamless photo paper backdrop. That's what they call it. Um, and that is in my kit list. So you can check that out to kind of get a feel for what that is, but that's the most inexpensive way to make a very professional looking, uh, scene without having to worry about clutter, moving furniture around. You can set it up anywhere. One other question I've got for you around uh, software and, and maybe just tools that we should be using on the computer itself. So most of the time, if we're giving a, a virtual presentation, it's typically going to be, and it's a, it's live, it's typically going to be over zoom, but uh, are there any, uh, tools that we should be aware of or thinking about or using something like a, maybe like an Ecamm or, or some of those tools that allows us to do um, uh, some of the, the picture within picture and, and bringing the slides in and almost like a, almost like a newscaster type angle and, or maybe some lower thirds, uh, any tools that you'd recommend there that integrate well with, with Zoom? You know, I would say for the cost of buying software that would do that versus buying the A10 Mini, I would just buy the A10 Mini. Okay. Uh, it's it's seamless. It's it's plug and play. Uh, and if you have um, the last time I did the workshop with Eric, uh, I have my laptop running my Zoom. I had my camera set above my laptop so my eye line I could see my audience right underneath my camera, which worked amazing. So I still felt engaged with people. I could see their reactions. I wasn't just staring into the black lens of my camera. And then I had my iPad on a stand. I'm standing in the room doing my presentation with my iPad, which was running my presentation. Hmm. And I had wired that into the A10 Mini. And then I had a third camera, which was a back, uh, a behind the scenes camera, which showed all my lighting, how I set it up, all the audio, the backdrop and everything on purpose was a super wide shot. Yeah. And I could just boom, 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 switch between those three. Uh, and then again, additionally with the iPad or a tablet, now you've got the ability to actually manipulate things with the digital pen. So you can highlight things on your note. You can doodle on the iPad and have that being streamed over uh, to your Zoom. So you know, the equipment's out there to make your Zoom pre- presentations way more interactive and interesting and dynamic now. Very cool. 
Well, uh, Craig, are you giving us a, a ton of great information here? Again, we put that that gear list together over at thespeakerlab.com slash studio, thespeakerlab.com slash studio. Check that out. Uh, and then also, like you mentioned, you're doing a lot of work with our students. We've been we've had several different cohorts of just small groups of students working with you and Eric uh, and kind of this behind the scenes stuff that you've been talking about. It's one thing to describe on audio. It's another thing to show in video of, hey, you know, look at this and look at this and let's show how, you know, changing this lighting or using this microphone sounds different or looks different. Uh, so those things really make a, a big impact. So that uh, would definitely, if anyone's interested in those, definitely let us know. But uh, Craig, we really appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks. It was awesome. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.